0: Welcome to Health Tech Hustle, we exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story with your host Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. I'm your host as always, Rodney Hu, and today I'm joined by another very special and smart guest, Mr. John Kalix. He's the CEO of SOC Telemed, um, where he spearheads their efforts and is a leader in the field of acute telemedicine by bringing highest quality of care, the best clinicians, and the patients who need them together using technology. He comes to SOT with more than SOC with more than 25 years of experience in healthcare. So with that being said, I'm excited to have him on and give him an opportunity to share his story and um, share what he's doing in the healthcare field. So with that being said, John, welcome to the podcast.
0: Be thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give people a brief background of kind of how you ended up at SOC and how you got into the healthcare industry.
0: So I've always been in healthcare. I was a—I always loved the sciences growing up and they point you in a lot of very different directions. I uh, came out of college uh, thinking about the med school path, but I also had a chance to go work for Johnson & Johnson as a fantastic company. Uh, worked many years there, went through uh, different other companies, Cardinal Health and GE Healthcare, and it's really a GE that I get to see technology being enabled. I would be able to walk outside of my office. Uh, I ran the MRI division for the US and Canada, and I could see the physicists and the software engineers working away. they really try to see inside the brain and inside the body. And just that point of just, you can reimagine healthcare. MRI was a less than a 30 year old uh, entity at the time. So it's you know early infancy, even though everyone thinks about you can go get an MRI any day of the week. I went over to work with a physician management company shortly after that, uh, after about seven years at GE. Uh, where I was for three to almost four years. And I was working with anesthesiologists and CRNAs. And the the entire 25 years of my healthcare period was working with hospitals. And you get to see what their challenges are. You also get to see what is things that that are being done on a daily basis versus how the industry is trying to change and evolve. And during COVID was obviously a very unique period, right? There's all these tailwinds for change that are taking place in healthcare, rapidly changed and telemedicine was one of those. I think a lot of folks are familiar with uh, direct-to-consumer telemedicine, right? You set up a phone call with a physician, you get online, it's patient-physician-initiated. But what I love about healthcare is there are just fundamental facts. And one of them is there's always gonna be a shortage of clinicians. And there's always gonna be a shortage of, especially when you get into the specialties of the clinicians. So you think through neurologists, psychiatrists, cardiologists, infectious disease doctors, maternal fetal medicine, those specialists, there's just simply not enough people coming out of medical schools to meet the demand, to meet the amount of counties and hospitals in the United States. And I've always looked for where can I think through disruptive healthcare uh, roles and responsibilities? And that's what really brought me to SOC, bringing my clinical experience with my technology experience with working across hospitals for 20 plus years and seeing their different issues. And time, you know, sometimes it's all about timing. You just knew everything would look different in a hospital post-COVID, but the opportunity to make things look new and different in a hospital post-COVID were there. So
1: it brought me to SOC. Nice. Hey, that's cool that you got an MRI background. That's actually my day job. <laughs> there you go. All right. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah, I work at an imaging center. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool hearing how you have the clinician background kind of mixed out with technology and What sort of problems did you kind of identify in the market throughout your past extensive time and experience that really stuck out to you that made you want to take this leap into creating SOC?
0: Yeah, I think the the same thing even goes with imaging, right? It's that at standpoint of at at its heart, a lot of technology can be driven and applied to a patient, but at the end, you still need that clinical eye, right? Radiology is changing quickly, But there are always gonna be those hard cases where artificial intelligence is not gonna be able to interpret an image. There's always that element where you're gonna need uh, technology to really enable healthcare. And again, it gets back to in in imaging those radiologists and enabling them and interventionalists. In our space, it's the same thing. I I realized no matter what technology uh, is out there, nothing was addressing how do you fractionalize the time of a specialist, every drive from hospital A to hospital B is downtime that could be used to treat another and take care of another life. Every time you're running from the fourth floor of a hospital down to the base, to the pa- uh, to the basement, could be used to take care of another life. Uh, and there are times in a hospital where supply side elasticity simply isn't built into a hospital. Right? You have certain days you're just slammed and you're overwhelmed. And then there are other days where it is really slow, regardless of what role you're in. There's those slow days versus those busy days. And when you start to really think about clinical care and the ability to get rid of the walls, and not just get rid of the walls of a building, but you get rid of the walls of an IDN, you know, a whole health system. And you just simply say, if I can make this specialist available to 20 hospitals at the hours that they are available to provide that care, on a technology platform that can enable that and can help them measure what good quality clinical care looks like while they're providing it <clears throat> and the complexities of electronic medical records and all of these access points labs and images everything have to come together so my experiences in the past showed me sleeves of all of those issues and that's what this is one of the most complex businesses i've ever been involved in because it takes all of that it takes the clinical teams and the care teams, because it's a whole team that comes together to work on these. You're not coming into the hospital and staying in the hospital because you want to be there. You're there because you have significant health issues, right? It's not pink eye moving from the right eye to the left eye. This is coming in with blood in your ear, you're having chest pains, you're having a stroke, really significant, where the binary event could be death. And the fact that you could save lives, I ask everyone on my team, put a put a picture of someone that you know that you probably lost or was really impacted because they just didn't have access to that care. You go to a hospital, you always expect to get the absolute best care. And those physicians and those nurses at the hospital are practicing as much at the top of their license as they can. But many times they're generalists, right? they, They really get into one sleeve of medicine and they need help to have access to different experiences, uh, different educations, team-based thinking. And that's what telemedicine can really unlock. And that's what really I think uh, I saw as an opportunity when we were taking SOC from going private to being public, which we did back in uh, November of 2020.
1: Nice. So you kind of had this process of identifying the problem and going about building the solution to that. But can you kind of walk us through that stage of idea to actual yeah. product and solution that you're trying to get out to the market? And how was that for you? Yeah. So I think the, yeah, I'm ai
0: am a Six Sigma black belt. So you always think about waste and time, and you always think about failure mode effects analysis, and you get sort of taught how to look at error and waste, right? And I think for those companies who have been in telemedicine, and SOC was founded by a bunch of neurologists 16 years ago, who understood that stroke in the hospitals, telestroke specific, and not the broader category of teleneurology, which includes epilepsy and a lot of other things, was a necessity. It's every minute you're losing millions of neurons. So if, if a ambulance picks you up and is driving you to the hospital and they have to drive past the closest hospital to one that's two hours away that is stroke certified, you're gonna be permanently disabled, right? So that's the motivator When you look at the patient, if the patient is your center and it's your core of how you can improve care, to me, that was the motivator. And I think that's what the team really looked at. It's what are the key specialties outside of neurology that became one that was started years ago? But what are the newer specialties where people haven't ever considered this? They didn't even know they could use the specialist. So I'll give you an example. Infectious disease, 80% of the counties in the US don't have an infectious disease specialist living in them. So if you go talk to any of those small hospitals, medium hospitals, or big hospitals, they haven't even considered they need that specialist. So it's not on their strategic roadmap. Why? Because it's not available. I would have on my strategic roadmap to go into space, but I don't have a spaceship standing by ready to go, right? I'm not Elon Musk. (laughs) Uh, But the element of we can take the expertise of a lot of really smart clinicians, a lot of smart engineers who want to solve a common problem and that's, that's where the, the recipe really comes into place, right? It's taking people from disparate backgrounds with a common vision that you can make deeply personal, right? I, I get choked up sometimes with my team because I, I haven't shared with them who it is, but I lost someone in my life that I know, I know, because I've been in healthcare for 25 years. Had they been able to get the right care by staying at that hospital, the outcome would have been different just would have been right. And you bring that to work every day. It's relentless, right? I want this relentlessness. When you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and starting your own business and getting into your own areas, you want to find folks that are deeply passionate about it, understand it, come at it from very different lenses. Cause that all that innovation drives a lot of interesting new concepts, but that at the end, who's your focus? Our focus is the patient. And then we sort of go from that emblem, but our patient even more specific because Telehealth, I love the phrase, I was given by another CIO, telehealth is a very fat word, right? It it means a lot of things in a lot of places to a lot of elements. We specialize in acute care, in hospital, you know, you never know when you're going to be asked for help. So you have to think about having someone available at 2 a.m. or having someone available at 2 p.m. Or you might have five people walking in that same door at 2 p.m., and in the past, you may have only had one specialist there to treat those five people. So how do you create all the technologies and the workflows for every single specialty that we address? And there's 12 of them that we address now. Uh, and some of that is through a lot of hard work, a lot of people bringing their clinical expertise. And for us, we built everything on a platform called Telnet IQ. We've put more than a million and a half patients through that and you learn, you know, you bump your knees and you skin your elbows but once you figure out how to take an issue and program it to prevent it again, triple with a six sigma mindset, you can really build something that can scale up to many, many hospitals because in the end, a lot of things are common on healthcare, even though every single department is run very differently with a very different opinion of how it should be done. But in the end, there's only so many variables that you have to really try to navigate. And there are hundreds of them and you learn through those experiences, but then you gotta find people that can take that experience and program it into something that is repeatable, preventable, and then actually maximizes uh, healthcare.
1: Okay. Yeah. I like how you um, mentioned all these different professionals and how they all have a common goal. And then when they come together to tackle a common problem, I see great potential for the outcome when you're putting all these brilliant minds together. But from the CEO standpoint, the leader that kind of the head of the ship, how are you able to attract those like-minded individuals into your guys' sort of business culture? Yeah. It is, I mean, culture
0: is, you have to obsess about culture. There's plenty of books written about it, right? But it really is that element. And especially in these COVID times, these Zoom-based times, you know, culture is something that can move on you pretty quickly as well. I think what, to, to have vision and mission, you have to say as much of what you're going to be as much as what you're not going to be. So I think too many times people think they're signing up to do A and it's actually B. They just weren't aligned early. As well as you think about, we put 100% of our capital, time, effort, money, and resources into acute care telemedicine. You know, we were asked during COVID, uh, for instance, the you know, a lot of the emergency rooms really slowed down unless you were coming in for COVID. Uh, so our, all of a sudden, we didn't have as much psychiatric volume. We didn't have as much neurology volume of patients coming through. So our physicians had some capacity. So we asked, hey, do you wanna, do you wanna start thinking through being in the direct-to-consumer space, i.e. get online and every week see that patient for a, um, a, psychi- a psychiatric visit, for instance. But by going after sort of that short-term solution, you miss the long-term vision of, hey, all this is gonna come through. There's gonna be millions of people that are gonna still need help coming into the hospital every day. We need to be there when they're walking in that door. And if you lose focus, you could start investing time, money, effort, and energy in something that's not focused towards that end goal. So I think, Rodney, a big key of ours is trying to make sure just not only my leadership, my direct reports, but the next layer sort of into the VPs of the organization. We're really clear about what we're going to be and what we're not going to be. So when we all talk to individuals and you come up with your recruiting teams and we, you know, we try to get two or three people, four people to interview somebody. So they get to know as much about us as a company, as well as the people behind it. But also they're really clear about what we're trying to get done and what we're not going to go work on. Thereby, someone doesn't sign up for a passion, which wasn't aligned to what we're trying to get done overall. So clarity on what you're going to do and not do not do is as hard. I honestly think one of the hardest things about leadership is saying no versus saying yes, It, it truly is.
1: Nice. And so I'm assuming someone in your position has like a million and one things to do all at once, kind of balancing a bunch of different plates at once. And I know you have a team that kind of helps you so we can kind of get into that a little bit, but how do you go about determining what to prioritize and what to put first and Like what is urgent versus not urgent sort of kind of categorizing your Uh, different to do's.
0: So that's where, you know, as as a CEO of an organization, you do get some time to think and spend time differently. Right. I think one of the larger um, errors you can always make is you spend too much time in the inside of the machine, right. Running your company because you, you grow this company. It's your baby, right. You want to take care of that, that, that baby. But what you need to do is you need to be talking to really your customers Um, on, in our case, it's the hospitals taking care of the patients, right? The patients are walking in the front door of the hospital. So the hospitals are our customers. So I spent a lot of time, I was on the road the last three weeks, I'm on the road all next week, uh, going to different hospital systems, talking to them about what do they see the future being? right? And we look for some triangulation of language. Uh, we, We just did a major merger and acquisition at the end of March. And the reason why we did that is because a lot of our customers are talking to us. We heard the common term vendor fatigue. They just didn't want to be, they're thinking about acute care telemedicine. They didn't want to be working with 10 or 20 or 30 little small groups all over the country, right? A nephrology group in Alabama and a different one in New Jersey and a cardiology group in Illinois. They want SOC in multiple states doing multiple specialties. And that's what drove our M&A strategy, but also drives our product development strategy and also drives a lot of other elements. So I I spend a lot of time trying to talk to a lot of other individuals who are trying to think about keeping their hospital doors open and vibrant, taking care of their communities, creating network integrity, which is a common phrase we've heard as well, keeping patients in their hospital network so they can keep that revenue to, again, reinvest in their own hospitals to take care of their community. And so uh, I spend I spend probably a third of my time outside of the walls of SOC talking to our customers. So when we start going into every year, we come up with our, we just, we, this year we launched 13 prod, product initiatives, right? On things that we wanted to improve on our Telnet IQ based on talking to our clinicians, based on talking to our customers, based on talking to other clinicians who are using our platform. But you need time because otherwise you get biased. You know, you will take an N of one. You'll take someone deeply passionate, but they're an N of one. And you can go build that one thing and one person will use it. And that doesn't really do go back to the vision of really helping millions of patients every single year. So I, I spend a lot of time outside the walls, which allows my teams to work with inside, you know, the, their teams uninterrupted. You know, sometimes I, one of the bigger parts too is you got to find the right talent I feel like i have a wonderful team of direct reports now and we made we made a we we brought a lot of new folks in when we went public because i needed folks that had public company experience and they bring that forward you land a great team and then you gotta let the horse you know pick your talent let the horses run right if you pick great people i'm a big believer in the book good to great pick good people and they will figure out the right what's in the house to do it right and if you don't have the you're the best people working for you and that they get a certain chemistry, you want a chemistry that I, I say has positive constructive conflict, right? They're willing to challenge each other, but they're doing that with positive energy. You can sometimes find organizations that do it sort of the other way, right? They want to challenge each other, but they do it with negative energy. I want positive constructive conflict amongst the leadership team that are thinking through innovation, pushing the boundaries, because we're in a space we're gonna do, you know, we, we talked to the marketplace, we're gonna do a midpoint of $110 million of revenue this year, which is the smallest company I've ever been a part of, right? But we are the single largest company in this space by at least threefold. Um, and because this is such an early, early space, direct to consumer telemedicine's taken off like rapid fire, but while hospitals were dealing with COVID and then they were dealing with vaccine distribution, Right, they didn't really think through. Could you deliver good care in the format that you and I are talking about right now? Because I think there was always that thought of, "I need the human touch." I was, I believe that deeply many years ago that you needed the human touch. And what I see now is you do need the human touch, but in the hospital, it can be a nurse providing that touch while you bring the specialist to the screen. It could be another physician who doesn't have that specialization being there because. The team, the nerves, the other specialists, and the specialists that we bring forward on Telmed IQ—they only—they only care about one thing. They care about that patient, and so there you get this collective nucleus really quick, and that's the energy we try to drive into the organization.
1: Nice. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's pretty awesome. And you, you mentioned kind of how you go about um, finding the people to bring on to the team to kind of put together that avengers level quality you know trying to figure out who's who but from the ceo standpoint i know a lot of people like you said end up working in their business versus on their business and one of the reasons that they do that is because they have trouble relinquishing control on and my question for you is how do you go about finding those people are you kind of determining what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and then finding people to fill those weaknesses or kind of how are you going about bringing in that team to grow together? Yeah, I think you
0: ha- it's a great question. I think you got to be really humble when you're sitting in the CEO role. You have to admit what you don't know. You just have to admit it. You got to be straight up and you got to tell your people, I am not familiar with how to file an SEC document with X, Y, and Z right? So I have a great general counsel who came to the business with me uh, last year. Uh, Eunice Kim is fantastic. And she knows that she's had years of experience doing that. So she knows, I know, she's watching over all of those mechanisms that we have to report on as a public company. I have full faith she's not going to get it wrong because it comes down to trust. And trust is a really hard word. Because again, we're talking about your company's your baby. And <laughs> I have, my wife and I, we have five kids. My wife rarely handed over one of her kids to a babysitter because it was her baby, right? <laughs> and she trusted a few people and she would have trusted those people with any of my kids at any point in time. It's the same thing. You got to find that group. And it's not about family. It's about finding the right skills and the right talents that people that you trust within that mechanism and you let them run their sleep. And then you make sure, you make sure part of the job as, as a CEO is make sure they're talking outside of their sleep. Right? So today we were having a technology review discussion and I wanted to make sure in that case, my CTO Sean was talking to Eunice to make sure we were completely aligned around HIPAA and you know, product uh, patient confidentiality as we we're working on some fields within our tool. It's just about making sure two teams pair up that they don't sort of get into their silo and they forget to be talking early when you're developing something, right? Too many times someone runs with an idea and it's 40/50% baked and then they pull in other people. So a hard thing you got to push in an organization is talk to each other. It's about that collaboration. It's about that don't don't be worried if you don't know it. Reach out. If it's something to deal with people, think about HR first. If it's something to deal with technology, reach out to the CIO or the CTO. There's no dumb question. It's where you get frustrated. I think a lot of people get frustrated when they don't reach out. People want to be pulled in to help. And bringing that expertise in, I think you do have to find people that have the expertise. So for me, you know, there's a few individuals I brought on that I worked with in the past. Someone that I worked with 10 years ago, and we haven't worked in the same company since. But you see a job, you see a role, and you go, I know who's perfect for this. And because we work together as maybe even peers in the past, etc., I trust that they're going to do a good job. Right? I, I trust that I'd hand my baby over to them because they're gonna make very big decisions that are gonna influence what we become. And, and that's key. I think it, until you can get past that hurdle, being humble on what you don't know, as well as trusting a few key individuals on your team to really run with it, uh, it's really hard to get a company to blossom and really create its own, its own unique culture versus just your own personal belief
1: system. Nice, I like that. That's super valuable really kind of building that foundation so that you guys are like strong in the beginning. And you kind of walked us through the process of being able to identify the problem and the solution that you wanted to create to combat that problem and putting together the the strategy, the tools and the team necessary. Um, But what has kind of worked for you guys as a company in getting your solution out to the market and getting your technology into the hands of as many people as possible? So telemedicine in the, in the hospital space really
0: up to COVID was almost evangelical, right? It was folks that got technology really early or they really, really needed. It was almost out of a deep need that they had no other option that they used acute care telemedicine. That's clearly changed with COVID. So timing is always part of you know, where things really can work for you. It, timing matters to a lot of people in a, in a lot of different fields. It doesn't matter where you are, right? It's about the right product with the right people at the right time. And so timing was really unique for us where we knew COVID was going to get people to understand this interaction again that could be used in the hospital. So then what you have to do though is we thought through before we had a very small sales team. We had a very small commercial team. So we, we doubled it in the middle of last year and then we doubled it again right at the end of the year before all of the demand was really coming through. So it's an investment. It's you're, you're betting on yourself that what you're seeing is you're talking to customers. I was talking about that time that I spend outside through organizations. You talk to the marketplace. You're making a bet, you know, with financially as well, that you're going to have certain new needs as things evolve. And so part of us is getting connected is how do you think through marketing, right? So we spend a lot more time and effort really professionalizing our marketing uh, approach online, for instance. If people want to understand are you at the top of the search words for telecardiology and teleneurology, all the specialties that we're in, uh, right? Where do we spend smart money? And then measure it, constantly measure because in a place that's changing so quickly, a strategy might work this quarter and then may not work the subsequent quarters because things are happening so fast. Things are evolving so quickly that we, we can afford to experiment because you can potentially reuse that experiment later. It's not, it might be about, it may not be the right time, but it might be the right idea. You wanna make sure you put that aside. But for us, it was really that. It's how do we get to the, how do we not only uh, activate a commercial team, but how do we make sure our clinicians, uh, if they hear about me, they themselves will wanna recommend SOC for another specialty. They might be talking to a fellow neurologist at another hospital and that hospital, that neurologist knows that that hospital needs a cardiologist. Well. Can you do that through telecardiology? If you're not in the operating room, yes, right. We the only place that we really can't help is deeply in the operating room itself, because most of it is really around maximizing the brain that the, all these specialists spend so many years in school uh, learning to read labs, to read images, to go through pharmaceuticals, to look at the patient, see you know see what they're seeing, and then make the right call and it allows that for they get to practice at the top of their game. So they get excited about doing this and they can do it from home. So they don't have to be sitting in traffic. They can be living anywhere in the country and providing this care. And I think that's gonna shape where people work, how they wanna work, how they impact patients, and that they don't have to be every single day on the floor of a hospital providing uh, just fantastic
1: patient care. Awesome, awesome. Man, I like your energy. I like the way your mind works and how you kind of string together all these different thoughts and ideas. I feel like I could be interviewing you forever. Um, But we are kind of coming up towards the end of the episode. Um, But I did have one more question for you. And it's um, like, what sort of advice would you have for other professionals, whether entrepreneurs or just other um, professionals within healthcare who are trying to go about tackling a problem that they see in the industry?
0: I think... The biggest part people do have to do is you got to figure out what's the right network to get involved with. You know, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, one of the things I really would try to do is I met some amazing people that I lost touch with that I knew at the time I was meeting them, they were amazing. And just the simple, you know, additional effort, uh, even if it's once a year, to sort of create a connection and, and keep that bond and find somebody because great people know great people. You know, Warren Buffett always talks about. You're the combination of the best five people around you. And I think that element is the same. It's If you have an idea and you want to network and you want to develop a, a young idea and see where it can go, many times you bump into that one person that was probably pretty influential that you may have not considered reaching out to because they had a bigger title or they had a, you know, you pick, uh, there may be an age difference. Who Who only knows, right? But in the end, people are naturally curious, right? They may not always drive towards that piece, but... And people want to naturally help. I believe if you believe in positivity, that people really do want to help. They'll take the five minutes of time out to try to help you with an idea, or connect you to the person that could potentially help you. You just have to have some small deposit of time that you're reciprocating into those individuals that sort of let you know, let you access who they know or even their own their own time. As many regards, right? It they also understand that little thread can lead them to something uniquely different i mean that's how i got to soc in this space it's all these little experiences i've had in the past and i saw this one little thread and i followed it based on time based on my experiences in the past based on what I knew what healthcare really needed i think people really have to look for those individuals to to stay connected to not just let the moment pass quickly
1: awesome awesome Think that's a perfect perfect piece of advice and a good way to kind of end the main segment of today's episode uh, but we've been covering a lot of high-level topics and i like to end each one of my episodes on a little lighter exercise with something i call the rapid fire round so i'm just going to ask you a couple questions and you give me whatever answer you come up with okay you got it all right question number one what is your favorite book of all time
0: So I'm going to put it as a time Malcolm Gladwell, he has two books, Blink and Tipping Point. Uh, I don't read a lot of books, but both of those books have highly influenced the way I think about business, people, relationships. Tipping Point and Blink are fantastic reads.
1: Awesome. Uh, Number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career?
0: Uh, I would say hands down, it's my dad and single word integrity. My dad worked his tail off. He was blue collar. That every time his say-do relationship, his ratio of what he says is what he does, and one, he will never go away from that 100% integrity, influence everything I do.
1: Awesome, perfect. Um, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year?
0: One goal I want to accomplish this year. It's going to be on the personal side. I'm moving my entire family from Wisconsin to Virginia. Oh, nice. I do think being at the company around your teams. And then growing our team nearly 20% again this year to keep up with the market and to innovate again. Uh, it requires us being around even in these sort of COVID times. So it's about being near team and uh, I'm going to be there next week.
1: Awesome. Praying for a smooth transition. Appreciate um, that. But last but not least, um, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? So
0: I, I would say I would say is about those connections. I, you look back and if I just and told myself, boy, there's some really interesting people. I look at folks now who are major, either even retired now CEOs of major companies, or they lead uh, major initiatives, or they built something that I just respect uh, as a consumer of, having no idea that uh, right? I was in the room with them, you knew of them, but you knew reaching out to them would almost seem disingenuous years later. So I would say really try to work that network differently uh, I think LinkedIn, for instance, is a fabulous tool, but I was I got the advice really quick, right? Only use LinkedIn for people that can either, you can help or that can help you. And otherwise you can't even keep up with that network. And uh, I, I think that element on, when you find that individual that you connect with, that you feel like you could either help them, or they could help you in the future, make sure you stay connected and put some time into that. Uh, it's, it's really hard to make that time, I will say, especially for people who are doers, Put myself in like the doer category and you're always working what's underneath your nose and sometimes you got to purposely make calendar time like purposely put calendar time down to connect with two or three people you haven't talked to in the last year
1: awesome awesome another good piece of advice perfect way to kind of end today's episode um so john just want to thank you again for jumping on sharing your knowledge your expertise and um what you guys are doing at soc telemed and the problems the problem that you guys are trying to tackle. But before you go, where can people learn more about you? Where can they connect with you if they're interested? You
0: can go to uh, soctelemed.com. We have a ton of information on there about what we do. You can find me in a number of different uh, publications as well as find me up on LinkedIn themselves if we cannot connect. So that's how I would say you would find a lot about the company.
1: Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all those links in the resources section. Um, But with that being said, that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech
0: Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.